Zip coin. Okay. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> okay, so the first, you know, we're starting our series looking at men and women in the Bible. Uh, obviously, the first people mentioned in the Bible is or Adam and Eve, and so we're going to talk about them a little bit. Uh, we already looked at, we've studied uh, chapter 3 um, in, in detail, uh, so we're, we're not going to really look at that as much, um, but, but we're going uh, to talk about Adam and Eve um, kind of in a different context. Uh-oh, didn't set this up. Oh, okay. So, Genesis 1, 26 and uh, 27 Say, say uh, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we are made in God's image. We are the only beings in creation uh, that are made in his image. Now that doesn't mean we look like him. Uh, as uh, Christ said, God is spirit and he must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And so our, our likeness is really spiritual. We are, our conscience, our, our determination of good and, uh, and, and evil is based on his image that he's implanted into us, all men. This is a creation ordinance. This, not, this isn't only for Christians. The Christians stop suppressing because the image of God in our lives, on our lives, is largely what the pagan suppresses. They suppress the the truth that they have that is indwelling in them by nature, because God has given His image to all men and women, and that's it, which started in creation. Now He did not do because uh, this is after He created all the trees, all the animals. And they're supposed to make according to their kind and all the rest. And we are supposed to make according to the, our kind as well. But really, in a spiritual sense, this image that, that, that passes down from generation to generation is spiritual. It's, it's, in, it's internal. It's not external. Just because like you and I kind of look alike, that, that doesn't mean it's not the same thing as you, know, uh, you being born in my image kind of thing. Um, so, as image bearers, we are called to uh, magnify God, magnify Christ in his dominion. Because God has given us dominion over all the earth, so we are to have dominion in his dominion. So, that's another way he's made us into his likeness, to, to have dominion. But that doesn't mean we ro- rule over creation like a tyrant. We're supposed to take care of it, and we'll see uh, when when God puts Adam in the garden, he's he's created to tend and care for the garden. So it's not it's not like this just grand authority and like now we're just awesome. No, there's a responsibility that comes with that. There's always a responsibility with authority. It by nature, again, just by its own definition, uh, it is. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote in The Weight of Glory: There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a, of a gnat. 
Uh, but it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to perpetually be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment uh, must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken uh, each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. What he's saying is, all of our interactions between people are from one immortal to another immortal. Either way, you know, e either we are immortals in glory or we are immortally damned. Okay, but, we, but all of our encounters with people bear his image as well. So we've never talked, that's what he's saying. We've never talked, there are no ordinary people. <laughs> you know, that's what he's saying. Everybody is made in his image and therefore has a special, very special character characteristic internal dna kind of thing just at the outset by being created in his image we can never look at any other man or woman as simply another man or a woman they are immortals we are immortals and it's interesting it, you it's just it, it's a different paradigm by which to see the world around you okay our current crisis has to do with purpose. Remember, we were talking about nihilism and Christianity, theism and nihilism. The image of God on our lives is what gives us purpose. It's where we find purpose. The people who suppress that image find nihilism. Nothing matters because they, they have ignored their essential value, their intrinsic value, their, their value in being created by the omniscient gracious magnificent god but they suppress that and thereby they, they find meaninglessness they find meaninglessness because there is no meaning without his image bearing on our lives and in our hearts in our souls and in our minds that's how we're supposed to worship him full completely with our minds our hearts and our souls and, yeah, so our current cr crisis has to do with purpose, so whether or not there is a creator, or if we're just grown-up germs, like we've talked about. See, we're going to get to, we're, that's why we did that series at the beginning, because now we'll see that infused in all these other areas. But that's what this is. What, if, if we are, if we do, if we are created by this eternal, self-existent God, then our purpose is obvious and it's glorious and it's spectacular it's stupendous it's wonderful if we are just grown-up germs and you know cosmic accidents then we don't bear his image okay okay Let's see if we can do this i just wanted to we're going to look at this kind of in passing but Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We are going, this is just introducing. So God made man, God made Adam, out of the dust of the ground. He, we'll see that he makes the animals out of the ground, but he makes man from the dust, from the dust. And that's why in uh, funeral, uh, um, at funerals, they say, from dust to dust, you know, ash to ash, dust to dust, from the dust back to the dust. Okay, but that's, this is introductory. We, we will return to this. We'll talk about this more, but this is setting up what we're going to look at um, 
in more detail. Okay, so Genesis 2, 18 through 25. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever uh, Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So... We've talked about this, but remember, when, when God created, and then when he spoke light, light into existence, and then he plant, you know, caused the trees and all the creatures of the seas to flourish and everything, each day he keeps on saying, that's good. You know, he, form, he speaks light into being, that's good. You know, he, he makes all the animals, that's good. You know, all the trees and everything, that's good. Do you all remember? So those are all benedictions. Those are all blessings. He's pronouncing these things as good. Do you all remember what his first malediction was? The first, no, not you. The first time he said, this is not good. I'll give you a hint. It's on the screen. (laughs) Like right at the beginning. (laughs) It's on the screen right at the beginning. It is not good (laughs) that man should be alone. Loneliness. Loneliness, like there are times where where we need to get uh, get alone and meditate, you know, and and have some time to ourselves. But by nature, by nature, we are creatures for companionship. There's a reason why, like like we've learned, uh, there's a reason why one of the biggest punishments given to those who are incarcerated are solid is some form of solitary confinement, to cast them completely out of any other sort of companions, any sort of companionship, any kind of relationships, any of that, and just completely isolated. It's a a penalty because we are created for companionship. So the first thing God says isn't good, is it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Uh, Helper is azer, which if taken to its fuller meaning, would be one, essentially one to join in his ministry he's given dominion over all all the of the earth and he's called to tend and keep the garden and he needs a helper for that purpose to join not to be not to be a servant not to be a slave and him not to be completely a master him to be the leader but her to come alongside and join him in that work, in, in whatever work. But ultimately, for them, it's going to be the garden. For, for us, it's family. You know, for our first tending, our first care is to each other and then our family. We'll get into that a little bit. But out of the, so out of the ground, remember, out of dust, he made man. So out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Uh, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Remember, uh, Adam being having dominion is given the authority of taxonomy. He names all of the animals, and God's bringing him all these animals. And, you know, so he brings him a lion first. Man, and Adam's like, that's cool. 
that is a, that is a strong animal. I can see how I can use that animal for something, you know, to pull some stuff, to do some kind of hard labor, but just doesn't do it for me, you know. I'm, I got other ideas in my mind, God. So, so I don't know. He brings in a dog. He brings in German Shepherd. And Adam's like, "That's a German Shepherd." Oh my gosh, this 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 is fantastic. I can see where you know this person can fetch my this uh, dog can fetch my slippers. He can he can you know he can snuggle with me. We can you know roll around in the dirt and wrestle and everything. But God, you know. I don't want to be picky, but still, I have other ideas. And, you know, and it, it just continues. And then, you know, he could not, uh, for Adam, there was no, not found a helper comparable to him. These are all great. All these animals can contribute in certain things, but nobody, not one of them is comparable to him. Not one of them can actually join him in this way to actually be a helper comparable to him. See, he, 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 I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so he's bringing all these animals and not one of them is comparable to him. They're, they're helping, they're, they're helpful, but they are not comparable to him. So, the Lord caused deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs. So God performs the first surgery ever. <laughs> puts puts uh, Adam to sleep and he took one of his rib, ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. So again, none of the animals would suffice. Um, uh, but so finally, finally, God causes deep sleep takes one of his ribs, takes one of his ribs and forms from him, from his rib, makes into a woman. And so Adam, now let's remember, and because we made this point in that brief uh, commentary when we looked at chapter three, that these Adam and Eve were completely spotless. They were completely without sin. They were the most beautiful of any man or woman. So you think of Eve, she is like the first 10, you know, she is the, she is like the ideal woman. Same thing for Adam. He is like the ideal man. So, you know, he, he'd gone and he'd seen all these animals one by one. He's naming them all. And all of a sudden he's coming out of his anesthesia and he sees this beautiful, beautiful woman. And he's like, okay, God. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. This is fantastic. And they fall in love immediately. They, she, he sees her. She sees him. And they, this is perfect. This is a helper comparable to me. And here is a man comparable to me. Perfect. Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called bone. But what he's saying is, the, so, well, we'll get to that. It's not only a union. It's not, it's not just a union. It's not one. Now, they will, they, will, they will keep their own identity kind of a thing. The woman remains a woman and has her own characteristics. The man remains a man and, you know, continues having his own characteristics, hopefully continuing to get better on either side. But, but it's not a union. It's not just one in union. It is one in identity. What he's saying is, she is now, she is of me. She is mine. She, she is not just a part of me. She is from me. She's like related to me. And we're going we're gonna to see this in a different way. But this is, this is essential in, 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 in marriages. 
okay, it's important to recognize that the relationship between a, a husband and a wife is not found only in Christianity. Again, this is ordained by in creation. That's why the church is acquiesce to civil uh, authority as far as, you know, kind of observing anyway marriages and officiating them and kind of regulating them kind of a thing. That's why, you know, the church is fine to pass that over to the civil authorities because ultimately this is a creation uh, ordinance. It's commanded. So any, every marriage to God is sacred, whether you're a believer or not. When a man and a woman comes and they promise and devote themselves to each other, that is seen by God, whether they see it that way or not, and continue to suppress it. But it's essential that you get this, that you get this in through your for your own relationships and to continue helping uh, in other uh, uh, relationships too. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. So first, the first progeny, really, the first, um, the first birth, if you want to put it that way, came out of a man, not of a woman. So birth will take place out of a woman. But, but the first, first generation comes out of a man to make his wife. Progeny, children, is a very special deal. It's a very special deal. But, and you, we, my sons, you and I are united. You know, we are father and son. We will always be father and son. But we are not one in identity. That's specific only to her. That's why this is illustrated this way. And it's so perfect to illustrate that identity. identity. It's, a, it's a bond. It's an identical bond. We are one. Or not just a union. That's essential. That's that's one kind of little glimpse into the Trinity. That's why, if you want to kind of think of a, the mystery of the Trinity in a very generic se sense, because it's far more spectacular, but look at the marriage. If you want to see uh, Christ's relationship to his church, which we're going to get to here in a second, look at the husband and the wife. Look at the marriage. Look at how God ordained marriage. It's not So even in the Godhead, it's, it's less of a unity as much as it is one in identity. Okay. Uh, now, therefore, now, whenever you see therefore, there's always a reason the therefore is therefore. Okay, what, there's, what this saying is, it, just, it doesn't just end here, right? The, the narrative doesn't just end at this part. This is the conclusion based on what was just said, okay? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So because of this, uh, the, a man shall leave one union, one uh, um, uh, relationship, and cleave and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See? It's one in identity. You'll still be, you know, two fleshes, but one in identity, one in pure togetherness. You will have problems, and that's why, though, the man is, we'll get to that too, but that's why the man is the head of the, head of the household. Ultimately, all the responsibility, but all, also his authority rests on the man, but ultimately, again, that means he bears all the responsibility as well, but that he, okay, we'll get to that, okay. And they were both naked, 
the man and his wife and were not ashamed. Now, we've talked about this briefly, um, and so I'm going to just mention this in kind of passing. Nakedness has to do also with sin. Remember, that's why just after the fall, they make little fig leaves to cover themselves because they're ashamed of their nakedness because they 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 ate of the knowledge of the tree of uh, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They already knew that it was good to obey God and evil to disobey God, so they knew it in their mind. But the tree, after they ate of the tree, then they knew it from experience, and they were ashamed. They were ashamed not just that they were naked, but they were ashamed that their sin is now laid bare and naked. And that's just important to, to recognize as we go along. So, and I want to be as brief as I can, but we are always, so since the fall, we're the only ones who wear clothes, right? And I'm not suggesting we don't do that. I mean, I'm not suggesting we start a nudist colony or anything. I'm, I'm just saying that we are, we are different out of all of the rest of creation insofar as we wear clothes. Because we, 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 the last thing, one of the things we are scared of is actually being seen naked by anybody. So we're actually, we're, we're, we're wanting to find somebody who we can be naked with and unashamed in the physical sense, but also in the spiritual sense, insofar as the image. I, she knows me more than anybody else does, but she doesn't know me completely. We've mentioned this. Only God does, but she knows, I bear myself almost completely to her. I mean, I don't try to keep anything back, but just by nature, she just doesn't know everything to do with me. Same way the other way around. You know, I know her more than anybody else. That kind of a thing. So to be naked and unashamed means also vulnerable. Also putting yourself out there, letting them know all of the filth in your own heart, in your own mind. Okay. So Ephesians, we looked at this briefly when we looked at love. So we get to be a little bit brief here too. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, um, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives uh, be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one uh, ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular, each of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We've talked about this with love in, in the marriage uh, uh, situation, and so, and remember when we did that, I wanted to go on and talk about what Paul was getting at with this is great mystery concerning Christ. Now we get to do that. So this is a great mystery, but I concern, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. She is flesh of my flesh. This is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. We are members of his body. So, the same thing, right? Uh, God 
performed surgery and took the rib out of a man to create and to make his wife. Christ bore and, and, and wrought his wife through the piercing of his side so close to his heart where the water and the blood were spilt out for his bride, for his church, for his beloved was also born out of his side, was also born out of his blood, was also born out of his nail-scarred hands. Okay. This we is like Noah's door. Remember, when it was shut, it shut in and it shut out. For we are members of his body. Those who are content to to meander about just with this knowledge. It is one thing, it's good, good and well, that we come together and, and learn and, and consider his word every week. But it's one, so like if I wanna to go to Guam, right? And, and I'm gonna chart my way out there, or let's make it easier, I'm going to Dallas. I'm going to Ada, Oklahoma, who cares? Uh, and, but I need to know, I need to know first, how do I get there? What are the roads, right? So that, that information is vital, right? But it's really, once I trust that information and start going, that's the difference. It's one thing to know the way. It's another thing to trust as you're getting there. So it's good and well that we learn these things, but we must, we must not be content to just know the information. Remember, the notitia, the ascensus, the fiducia got the information many will assent to that information and never have faith faith without works is dead remember remember so if you are not displaying your affection for him and seeking him your faith is dead it's up to you to make your calling and election sure, right? I've been saying that over and over and over again. But how, how can you invest so much? How can you be so occupied, preoccupied with, with these things, either races or games or whatever, and not him? How, how is it a drudgery to open your Bible? How is it something I have to request or, or demand we've we've talked about it's like it's like god has left us a love letter and we're, we're just ignoring it that 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 should indicate to you forget about what it indicates to me it should indicate to you that perhaps you don't have the love of god that is wrought from salvation. You have the knowledge and you know, you all know, that's where I was for a time. You have to experience salvation. It's one thing to know about salvation. It's one thing to know the way to salvation. It's another thing to be there, to see your savior high and lifted up for you and to hear him say, you were forgiven. We're going to, okay. I think this is fitting because actually one of Spurgeon's, I'm, I'm going to kind of 
use one of Spurgeon's uh, sermons, he gets into this, and I'm just going to kind of steal his headings, and we'll talk about that. So what does this text mean? For we are members of his body, uh, of his flesh, and of his bones. And remember, the two shall become one flesh, because now we are one flesh. We are one in identity with our Christ. Should we be in him anyway? Um, so there's a similarity of nature, right? It's, it's well and good to recognize that Christ is the God-man, but... Let us not make his humanity, he's altogether man. He's not more than a man in his humanity, nor is he less of a man. But we have to understand that God came down in the flesh, his humanity. That's why when, when we are tempted, he, he, he understands. Remember, he was tested. He was tempted. He suffered hunger and thirst and, and poverty and didn't have a place to lay down his head. He has compassion from experience. He knows your sorrows. He knows your fears. He knows your, your hatreds and, your, and all of that, all of your toils and all the rest. And he is here to save you, to comfort you. We'll get to that in the next study. Uh, it signif uh, signifies intimate relationship. Again, she is related to me. She is of me. We are of Christ. Should we be in him? We are of Christ. So, again, very intimate relationship. My maker is my husband. Christ, our creator, is our husband, ultimately. It is a mysterious extraction. Just as Adam knew, uh, knew Eve came out of his side, so does Christ from his pierced side, which we already mentioned. There's a loving possession. She is mine. She is mine. In a way that she's nobody else's. She's a mother to you both. She is mine in a special way that is like nothing else. It's not, she's not a possession like some, you know, object that I get to use as much as, a, no. She is mine to love and to cherish, to nourish and to cherish. We'll get to that too in, next, in our next session. But she is mine. It's a very special, special, intimate um, uh, possession. There is a vital union. When Paul uses marriage as a metaphor, he he knows that it only goes so far. It's applicable, but it only goes so far. Um, so again, though, this has less to do with uh, joining his body as a unity as much as it is as an identity. If we are in Christ, we are one with Christ. Not a union. One with him. An identity. When we go before the Father, he sees Christ. Because we are one with him. Okay. So, what does text, this text secure? It secures the eternal safety for all who are in Christ. Remember when I told you the, the whole of uh, the Bible, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, can be uh, summarized in that great statement that Christ says, Because I live, you shall live also. That's what this text secures. Because I live, you shall live also. Um, I, if I'm one with Christ, then I can definitely experience his love. Um, not having Spanish. Oh, where is it? Where is it? 
Oh, oh Ezra, no, 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 no. Where is it? Oh, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does his church. Here it is, the nourishes and the cherishes. Don't even be content with just the nourishing. If you find Christ and he, you find him nourishing you, that's, that's fantastic. Go on to and ask and beg for his cherishing. He longs to cherish his bride. He longs to nourish her and to cherish her. Again, see a good, you know, a good indicator of a marriage. And you can see this link. You get a glimpse of it. Christ waits for his bride. And he seeks after his bride. And he nourishes his beloved and he cherishes her. For no man hated his own body. Christ doesn't hate his own body. <laughs> if we are one with him, he, hate, he takes care of his body. He takes care of his beloved. Not only just feeding and not only for sustenance, but for love, for relationship, a com an intimate companionship like nothing else. Just like my bond with her is unlike any relationship I have in this world, so my relationship, my bond to Christ, is unlike anything in this world or any other world. Um, it also secures that he will present us to himself without spot or blemish. Um, okay, so that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, or blemish, any sin. When, we, when, we, when I bring my wife to Christ, I must, <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm not Christ, so I won't have this, sadly, but I, I, my, my desire, my, my job as a husband, my duty by, in Christ is to present her not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. And that's how he will see his bride. When we appear before him, he will see us having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. It's beautiful. This is wonderful. It's very intimate. Seek after him. Seek after him. This is not just, these are not just words on a page. They are words on a page to the pagan. They can be words on a page to many church members. Just because you listen to the words, even just because you read them, doesn't mean you live them. Live them. Let them live in you. All right. And then, secures, let us remember all the glory of Christ we should share in. In Romans 8.17, he talks about if we are his children, therefore we are heirs. And if we are joint heirs with Christ, then we are, well, then we are joint heirs with Christ. If we are heirs, we are joint heirs with Christ. All that Christ has is ours because we are one in, in his identity, his glory. We will share in his glory. He is pleased to have us at his throne. He is pleased to have his bride ever near him, ever with him, ever in him. He's pleased. He's pleased to have his church nearby. Just like, again, just like her. Now, if we were married and she's indifferent as to interacting with me at all, that's a failed marriage. That's a failed marriage. You have one 
true and high and majestic husband for all of eternity who will never leave you, who will never forsake you, who will never harm you, who will only love you. Do you know what it means to be loved by God? We, everybody likes talking about love, 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 love. God is love, all this kind of stuff. Do you know what it is to truly be loved by the eternal, omniscient, majestic, powerful God? That is like no other love. All right. Lastly, and really quickly, uh, remember, this is the glorious passage when, when, when after the fall, uh, God is <laughs> cursing the serpent, and, but this is the end part. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is called the Proto-Evangelion because this is the first giving of the gospel. Okay, this is the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the seed to come. I just wanted to mention, um, after this, and Adam and Eve do have their first son, Cain. They, he's named Cain, which means possession, so like possess. So Adam and Eve thought that he was the promised seed. So she was rejoicing and like, oh, good, look, God gave me a man. This is the man. And then, I mean, she, they found out that he was the seed of the serpent in killing Abel, and then they named Seth to, to replace Abel. And even then, she's, she thinks that maybe Seth is the one. They are hoping. That's the indication. Adam and Eve believed the gospel. Okay? So they were believers, and they passed that on from generation to generation. Just remember that. But, so they hoped. They, they hoped, and they longed for their Messiah. They knew. God had promised and in the garden, remember, he, he also clothed them with, with animal skins. Because, and they see that too, and they link the two. They know that salvation is not acquired without the shedding of blood. Hebrews even says that. There is no salvation apart from the shedding of blood. So even the first sacrifice was given to clothe the sin of Adam and Eve by the grace of God. And now, he covers his beloved with his son. Do you see that? Do you see that? So when we come before him, we are clothed in the righteousness of our Savior. We are clothed in his pure white radiance that he stained with his blood that now has become pure and white as snow. Okay. All right. Anybody have any questions? Everybody good? All right. Let's pray. We're gonna start praying after these two. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your divine affection. We thank you for your your inward grace. How you not only come from without you enter into our hearts and minds. You fill our souls with all the delight and glory that is found in our Savior. Lift up his name in our lives, God. Make him real to us, not just a phantom walking on the sea. Give us grace to find and know 
and cherish our Christ as he seeks to nourish and cherish us. In his name we ask it. Amen.